uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. Hope you had a great long weekend. That's if you live in New South Wales and a couple of the other states and territories. Uh, obviously, October is the grand final, NRL grand final weekend. Um, each year, we have a barbecue on grand final day. And I run this tipping comp called Wooden Spoon. Yeah, it's been going for about 15 years now. And the loser of the comp, it's free to enter between my mates, and uh, the loser of the comp has to host the grand final barbecue. So they've got to pay for all the food, all the drinks, for every entrance into Wooden Spoonia. Everyone else can just relax. The loser has to cook the food, provide all the drinks. And uh, this year, the loser, Steve, it's his second time he's lost, he, he decided to move to Wagga um, not long ago, like a, you know 18 months ago, which meant we all had to... <laughs> Drive to Wagga, five and a half hours there, five and a half hours back. That's the rule. That's what the uh, fine print stipulates. So that was uh, it. Was a lot of driving over the weekend, and uh, it was enjoyable once we got there. Got all the boys together. Penrith against Parramatta, the Battle of the West, and the Panthers. They've been superb the last couple of years, and they did it again. Back to back premierships. My mate Graham, I know he listens to this podcast. Um, we tried to piss him off by wearing Parramatta robes, which were fantastic. It didn't it didn't work that well. But Grubby, well done, mate. Congratulations. He also won the wooden spoon you comp too, so yeah, you can have that. Alright, anyways, today we have got a very inspiring lad. His name is Fletcher Pillen. He uh won Australia's Got Talent back in the day with a, a beautiful song, a tribute to his younger brother Banjo. I was actually watching Phil Jemison play about 10 minutes from my house. Fletcher was supporting Phil that day. Uh, I've met Fletcher a few times. We've done a few things together. I think we did like a charity walk together back in the day. I remember doing that. And uh, yeah, anyways, we bumped into each other being musos a few times. But I said to him after I'd had a couple of drinks, why don't you come on the podcast? And he said, all right, cool. So when do you want to do it? And he came on and just a couple of days later, he came around to my house and uh, we got the podcast going in the kitchen. We talk about his time on Australia's Got Talent. We talk about his studio that he's built on the Central Coast. And we talk about the Beatles. Yes. I love talking about the Beatles. I could talk about the Beatles all day. I could make a podcast about the Beatles. I love them so much. Maybe I could have Fletcher as the host. But here it is, my kitchen chat with Fletcher Pillen. Enjoy. Fletcher Pillen, welcome to my kitchen. Mate, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> I haven't done the podcast in the kitchen yet, uh, so this is the first one. Do you feel privileged? I'm, to- I'm honoured, beyond <laughs> honoured. <laughs> How you been, mate? I've been very good, thank you. Um, look, caught you at Grinspoon. First time seeing them in a long time, and then I heard this voice wailing from, you know, earlier on. Bang, it was you supporting Grinspoon, and I heard the voice, and I, and I sort of recognised the voice. It's been a while since I have, you know, heard you sing. It's 
phenomenal. Thanks what so you much, do Frank. is incredible. How did you like the gig? Oh, it was it was great fun. That was actually my first time playing there at um Drifters Wharf. And um yes, yeah, they've got a great setup and great stage and sound system and um yeah, it's always nice to play through good sound that makes a big difference. But yeah, I really appreciate you. Yeah, that PA so. system was massive and you had the uh you had the, the foot pedal going, the uh the stomp box. The stomp box, yeah. I love the stomp box. I've gone through a few actually I um I that one that I have is a I think it's a Roland or a Boss one. It's I can't remember, but it's a digital one and I had an acoustic one and um go to different gigs and it, the sound would always be different. And I saw some guy playing one at a festival one time and I actually, I went up to him after and I was like, what Stompbox do you have? And I just was like, all right, I'm just getting that one because it, it's always going to sound good because it's a digital one. It just sounds the same wherever you go. So it's a safety I'm, thing. I'm glad you're talking about harassing people at gigs because I did the exact same thing a couple of years ago. I was in the corner bar at Ocean Beach Hotel in your minor. There was a bloke playing a Stompbox. Yeah. And it was so good. I walked up and said, I'll give you as much money as you need so that I can have that. He just laughed because I really wanted it. It was such a good sound, you know. But he told me all the brand and all that. You found out what it was? Yeah, I went and bought it the next day. Yeah, yeah. From him. Yeah, so we've done the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Before the microphones got turned on, we were having a chat about studios, where you play, what room you play in and stuff. And uh, you've got to be quiet where you are. That must suck for us a museum. Yeah, I've just moved into a place in Sydney and – the very first night I was in there, it's, it's just a studio apartment, but it's got a thick concrete walls all around. So I was stoked. I was thinking, yes, I'm going to be sweet um, and be able to play music without disturbing anyone. And the very first night, admittedly, it was like 10 o'clock. So it was probably yeah. beyond the level of uh, or beyond the time that it's appropriate. But I was, I was singing super quiet and I had some lady come and knock on the door and say, no. oh, can you stop playing? I'm trying to go to sleep. And I was no. And um, yeah. And that's the thing with musos, like you don't just have the inspiration nine to five. You can be sitting there watching TV at 9.30 and then an idea pops into your head. What do you do? You've got to sing it out. You've got to, you know, play the song. You have to. And that was, funnily enough, that's what I was doing. I was writing a song um, and was like, yeah, I just need to get this out while it's kind of fresh in my, um, in my brain and in my feelings, you know. How much are you writing? Do you write a lot? Yeah, that's been my main focus um, for the last couple of years, actually. Um, just a lot of songwriting. You know, I did a whole bunch of gigs when I was when I was young and was on Australia's Got Talent and put out a you know a couple of EPs and stuff. But the last few years, I've you know had a conversation with myself and and spoken to had some great advice from different people, my manager and and some you know I'm young enough that I really want to focus on songwriting and make sure that when I put music out, when I kind of re-release my uh, my artist project that it's exactly what I want to do and it's really high quality so the songwriting has been my main focus for for a while you you brought up Australia's Got Talent um, earlier obviously uh, that was the big break wasn't it and the thing is some people get on these shows right so they might sing a cover or whatnot you went on there with this beautiful song and like we were talking about um you know Infinite Child like that was just a masterpiece and and um, you, you know when people heard that that just shot you straight to the to the top, you know. People were just looking at that, going, "This kid, like, writing lyrics like that at the at the age, like, you're so far ahead of so many other musicians." I feel when it comes to songwriting, you are really a poet. Oh, mate, thank you. That's really means a lot. Um, I remember writing that song, and uh, after my brother passed away, um, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you write a song about it," and and thinking that onto myself as well. Oh, you know, the first thing I want to do is write a song, but it, it took, it took a few weeks, um, maybe even a month before I like sat down and wanted to write that. And I remember writing it and, and it did take me kind of a couple goes just because of the emotion of it. But, um, 
yeah, I'm always really grateful that I got to play that song on that show and, and have that song be the tribute to my brother that, um, you know, I really wanted to give to him and, and he his presence through that experience, I, I felt it with me immensely and, and I think other people did too, which is, which is super lovely and I'm super grateful that whenever people say anything positive about that whole experience and to do with my brother, it's, uh, it's really nice that he's still in people's thoughts and that my music can be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, you would have helped so many people that night. There's, you know, there's so many people that are dealing with, you know, types of grief and, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, what's it like when you're there on the show? If I think about myself going on TV, it freaks me out, let alone like singing, you know what I mean? Like, I love singing, I love playing music, but being up there on the stage, it takes balls. I think I was just hoping I didn't get... Um didn't get buzzed off you know how they have the, <laughs> yeah. the exes and they make people stop singing that was oh. <laughs> that was my only goal when I went on the show is just if I if they let me finish my song then that's cool <laughs> and uh you started to really carve a good career out of that um your EPs and, and your singles I've noticed I was listening today there's the acoustic side of you but then there's like the rocky side of you yeah. as well yeah it's cool you're doing both things thank you well I mean that's been a big part of my writing the last couple of years as well I've been really um, intentional about trying to amalgamate those two sort of sides of my music and you know when I started playing guitar it was, it was acoustic guitar and real singer-songwritery um, folk driven uh, influences and then when I was about 14 I started playing electric guitar and playing blues and rock music and so there's the both sides of that spectrum is very much sounds and genres that I connect to a lot. Do you have a band or if you decide tomorrow that you're going to play a gig with the band yeah you've got a band ready to go? Yeah for sure I just before COVID a month or two before COVID the start of 2020 we got a tour in um, with with my band playing up the east coast and yeah, I think I, I think we did fifteen shows or something like that. So I've been hanging to hanging to play more gigs with them, and uh, we got a show coming up on the Central Coast at uh, Wanderall Surf Club. That's going to go off. You got your band. You're in your hometown. This is going to be a huge show. Oh, thank you, mate. I'm super keen. It's my first uh, first headline show in over a year. Last one I did was uh, in Gosford last year, and that was super fun. That one sold out and was had lots of family and friends. And how did you use the last couple of years? Obviously, things were very very quiet for everyone. Some people struggled, right, because they didn't know what to do. But then there's the other side of the creatives that just knuckled down, wrote songs, went nuts, created a studio, did whatever. How did you go through the last uh, couple of you know years? Yeah, it's it actually worked out kind of awesome timing for me <laughs> um, that I'd, I'd just finished that tour with my band and then COVID hit and – I was in the position of going, well, my intention was to take some time out and do a whole heap of songwriting and creating and demos and stuff anyway. Um, you know, just I built I built a studio in uh, in Berkeley Vale on the coast and so I've been doing a lot of my own recording there. And, nice. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the studio. Was it just a, a shell of a room sort of thing and you've, you've started it from scratch or was it already somewhat built? Or? Uh, it wasn't a room at all. Uh, my, wow. my dad where his business is uh, in, in Berkeley Vale, in, the, in that factory, we built a mezzanine level and we built a room and we built stairs going wow. up to it. So it wasn't designed to be a floor. So um, I didn't do any of the floor carpentry, but <laughs> had, had some people come in and, and um, 
put a floor down, but then we built all the walls and we built the stairs. And Before we turned the mics on, we were talking about the best band in the world, the Beatles. The Beatles. Oh, we could 100%. probably talk about the Beatles all day. Sure. Like, this podcast <laughs> could just go on for hours and hours. But uh, you went uh, recently. You went yeah. over to England, and you you went to Abbey Road. I, I did. I um, we got the bus there, and the big double double decker bus that was there with my girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, I, I was wearing my Abbey Road t shirt, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> total <laughs> fanboy moment. I said, yeah, get take the photo of me. And so she's running out onto the street with cars on both sides. And, and everyone else was, when I say everyone, there's probably like 20 other people there doing it as well um, and trying to get it in a little moment where you can walk across and get a photo. Um, <laughs> the, the, the people that live on Abbey Road must oh, hate it. I, that's what we were saying. Like the traffic over there is horrendous wherever you go. But if that's an actual route that people have to take to get to work or get to wherever they're going, yeah, everyone's. Every car there is stopping for a couple minutes. <laughs> I suppose that leads us to inspirations. Uh, the Beatles, obviously a big inspiration for you. How long is the list? Yeah, super long. I love a lot of types of music. I used to tell myself the only type of music I didn't like was musical theatre. And then when we were in London, we went and saw uh, um, Wicked on the West End. I was like, and that was great. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I get around everything. Um, I really love old blue stuff like Muddy Waters and that kind of yep. um, era and love the Beatles and love like the Rolling Stones and love Bob Dylan is probably my biggest idol. I've got one poster on my wall and it's, and it's him. I went and saw Gang of Views this week. I love them, Australian oh, yeah. band and a lot of influences I love. I know your sister sings. Mm. What about the rest of you, your family? My dad, so I learned guitar um, when I was maybe 11 or 12 and, and my dad taught me my first few chords and he was in a in a bit of a band in high school called uh, Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's from um, I think it's from Coming to America. Okay. Uh, yeah, they only did like two or three gigs or whatever, and I think anything on Spotify. Or- no, nah, oh, bugger. I hope not. Um, no. <laughs> so yeah, we always had dad was always playing music like when we were kids. Um, he got me going on guitar, and my uncle was in a um, a big band on the coast in the in the 80s yeah. uh, called Button Mushrooms. Okay. Um, they played uh, a fundraising show a few years ago for Banjo Skate Park. Banjo was my brother. Oh, yeah. That was before they got the government um, yeah. funding. So they did a did a um, fundraising show at, um, I think it was the Entrance Leagues, and they sold 700 tickets. Yeah, and nice. This was How like 20 that? years after they've played a show, which yeah. is just crazy. They should do like a regular Christmas show or something like that if they're pulling crowds like that. I know, that's crazy. Uh, you mentioned the skate park. I love driving through Terrigal and just looking to you know to my left and seeing that skate park yeah. there. Yeah, it was lovely that it it didn't come from us either. You know, we were um, we were still in the hospital with my brother at the time, and there was a Facebook page going build a skate park and Wombie mm. or Interrigal for Banj and um, so we it, it's just really beautiful for us that that it wasn't a thing that we were pushing or like trying to get going and that really people in the community said let's do this and it's it's really really special for us to as you said we we live in Womberal as well well I've just moved to Sydney but yep. actually the first day it opened I thought oh because I'm not I'm not really a skater I'm more of a surfer but um, I thought I've got to give it a go dropping in in the bowl and uh, I dropped in and broke my wrist <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. and uh, so I think that was my brother maybe playing a 
bit of a trick on me. So the van parked out the front, is that for a surfboard or is that for touring? Uh, it's for both. Cool. <laughs> I, I wanted you to say that. That is so well, – it's, it's such a – it's a nice van. Oh, and, thanks. And so, yeah, if you go on tour, you'll just throw the surfboard in the back? Yeah, 100%. I, um, I only – exclusively looked at vans when I was thinking of buying a car. That's actually, that's my second van. I had an old high ace, um, 2000 high ace when I first bought, bought a van when I got my license when I was 17 and that thing just sucked the petrol, you know, yeah. it was, it oh, took especially s- times like now you don't want it. You don't want a vehicle oh, that sucks the petrol. It was crazy because the, what I've got now is a diesel van and, um, yeah. we did a tour, that tour I was saying, uh, at the start of COVID I did in my old van and driving from here to Ballina, it took three tanks. And so, so that was, nowadays would be like a thousand bucks yeah, or dead something. Yeah, set. So I was like, nah, this is not going to work. So I got rid of that and, um, you know, have this, have the transporter now. And uh, Velma is its name. Her Love name. that name. <laughs> Very old but, um, school. Yeah, we just knocked up, um, did the did the interior ourselves and built the bed and built the walls and put insulation in there. So yeah, it's good to go. Actually stayed down there, um, had some gigs at the snow. So we went down and I played a couple of shows and I slept in the van. Um, How does of, the van go? It didn't. Minus. It didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've done the insulation before. Yeah, um, how good is the insulation? It's, it's really good, I reckon, to about one degree. And once it crosses that zero degree threshold and, and the outside starts to freeze up, mm. it was, yeah, it was really, really. That was the coldest I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do it again. A friend of mine went down there and did the same thing, jumped in the back of a van and uh, got to about one o'clock in the morning. And he's obviously had a few too many uh, beers the night before. Yeah. He needed to go to the toilet. And it was minus three, it felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said it was – he had to go. Did so he get he, up barefoot? I, I think so. <laughs> I the think he did. And toes he, on ice. <laughs> and he got out there and had to yeah. get the job done. Yeah. And uh, that just to me is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. No, you got you to gotta plan that. <laughs> what were the crowds like down there? Are they are they boozed up or are they are they tired after a big day of skiing? Um, no, nah, they're, they're, re- they're boozed you know? up hard. Yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. It's a very it's very much a party town. Um because everyone down there is kind of young and um, down there for that reason, for working at the snow and then going out and yep. snowboarding and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I did. A, I played a show down there, supported the Dregs a couple of weeks ago. Um, How good are the Dregs? It was unreal, yeah. You know what's funny? I'm driving today listening to your songs and – you remind me of the dregs, you know, like it's a similar style. It's not like you are the dregs or anything like that, but it's like these two would be great together. They've already done it together. Yeah. So they, they're super lovely. I've played a couple of shows with them. One in Sydney at um, Manning Bar, which was insane. Yep. Um, that was full and it was almost a thousand people and just, yeah, it was super, super fun. They put on such a good live show. So I was stoked to um, jump on a couple. Well, you never know one day soon. It might be the dregs. Following, following the van around <laughs> and uh, and playing before you. They, they seem like good guys anyway. Uh, but the, the van is on the move. It's going to be at Wombrel in October. October 14, yep. This is – I'm starting to push uh, in the last couple of days. So it's it's already in my Instagram bio. You can click that link. And I'm going to be putting some posters up around, around the coast. So if you see any, I've got the QR code. You can come and whack your phone in front of it. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Hit up Fletcher Pillon on Instagram. You've got to get to his show, October. Uh, he is – bloody good his voice it just makes you melt um and he's got a stomp box and it fucking blows your head off (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, Fletcher, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Mate, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It was great to um, catch up with you the other day at the gig and cheers for having me here. Yeah. And tell your neighbours she's got to get a little happier. I'll give her I'll give her a ticket to the Wombie gig. <laughs> <laughs> Singer-songwriter Fletcher Pillen from the Central Coast, an impressive guy. If you want to go and check him out live in action, Ocean View Cafe at Terrigal. He is going to be putting on an original show. That's on Friday, 14th of October. Joel Leggett is supporting as well as Fletcher's sister. It's going to be a great night. Tickets are 15 bucks. You can find them at songkick.com. Alternatively, you can go to Fletcher's website, fletcherpillen.com. Hopefully, uh, we can have Fletcher back on one day when he's released another EP or album. He's a uh, great fella. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, this is called Letters. You can write on into the show. You can air your grievances. You can say anything I'm doing good, anything I'm doing bad on this thing. I mean, we're only a couple episodes in. I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, You can also alternatively hit up the band's Instagram page uh, or Twitter, which is where I got contacted this week by a guy named Lars Schubert. He's from Germany. He tagged the Ritzy Kids in a link and I clicked the link and there was a review there from all the way on the other side of the world and uh, I couldn't read it because I don't know German but I did get it translated and uh, here it is. Sean Fraser is actually a singer-songwriter but unlike pop, punk and emo singers who make themselves folk and country with acoustic guitar he tidy up the horse from behind and has founded a four-piece band with the Ritzy Kids between September and December 2020. He wrote about 20 songs for it and enjoyed his electrically amplified Telecaster. Meanwhile, three of these songs have been released in a band, guys. So there it is. Thank you, Lars. Thanks for writing something about the Ritzy Kids and sort of telling the story. And then I jumped on the website, theritzykids.com, and I noticed that Lars also grabbed himself a CD. You are my new best friend, Lars. Thank you so much. On the topic of the band, obviously, uh, we played our very first show on Friday night. I don't know how to explain. If I was to explain it in one word, I'd have to say wild. Um, Crazy would be another one word because we jumped on stage, very first show ever, pumped, raring to go, 9.30 at night, and everyone was tanked. It was crazy. It was People were, there was a mosh pit, there were people singing along, they were jumping around. Everyone was, everyone was tame in the respect of they were looking after each other, but uh, it was, it seemed like it was getting pretty physical. Thank you everyone so much from the bottom of all of our hearts, from me, Scotty, Jared, Andrew, we had the best time ever. Josh, Josh, the support act was incredible, fired the crowd right up, Um, but we, we played seven brand new songs along with the singles that have already been released, plus a couple of acoustic covers. And I think we played for about an hour and it was just it's such a long time coming and it was just so beautiful to be able to do it in front of all of our friends and our family. So I'd like to say from the four of us, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so, so much. Um, it means the world, absolutely means the world. We love playing music because it's fun. Um, it's, it's social, it's, it's a good release from the world, but to see people jumping along and having a bloody good time that, uh, it really makes it really special. So thank you very much. All right. That's the end of this episode. Hopefully you're going to join me next week. Ta-da. Ta-da.